0: This is the Birth Uprising Podcast. I'm Dr. Sarah, a chiropractor and birth educator, and I'm here with my co-host Emily, a preconception coach and doula. We want to help you to think more critically about what you've been told is necessary and normal during pregnancy and birth, and to discover all the options you weren't told in your 7-minute OB appointments. We are back and this week we are going to be hearing my birth stories because last week we heard yours Mm -hmm. and there are some important points that we're definitely going to touch on when it comes to preparing for your birth what to expect how even if you are the most prepared things can still go awry depending on your location that you choose and the providers you choose uh, but before we get into all of that, yeah. we are going to catch up on what we've been doing in the last week. So what have you been up to?
1: Um, well, my Instagram shadow ban is up.
0: <laughs> That's nice.
1: Mine's not. Yeah. You had to say that you don't like to say birthing person. Mm.
0: Um, you say it one time.
1: One time. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know what? Like, for those of you who follow me and soon will follow me and then shortly might unfollow me just kidding <laughs> um i just talk a lot about what's going on in the world right now from uh, my point of view my opinion on current events i think we can all have an idea of what i'm talking about um and i got silenced hardcore it's been 5 months of literally zero engagement no one seeing my stories no one seeing anything and i don't rely on instagram for income which is really nice however it's a it is a big part of my outreach in trying to gain new clients and trying to gain, like, I'm sure, you know, like just um, reach because you sell product online. I teach classes and I do consultations. Um, And again, I don't rely on that, but it's really helpful. And so Mm -hmm. that I got, I had nothing zero for five months. Yeah. So insane.
0: Which is insane and so irritating. I've been dealing with a similar thing where it's like, it's up and then it's down. Yeah. And for no particular reason. And then one day it's way up again and then it's way down again. Or even in the same day, like I just took a, a break for five days because someone I know who had this happen to them told me, if you take a break entirely for like five days a week, whenever sometimes it resets itself. And so yeah. I was like, you know what, how bad would it be to take a break? And so I took a break. It seemed like it was a little bit better. And then as the day progressed, I was like, nope, same. And then today, same thing. I shared a little bit. I'm I'm over here making a boatload of earrings mm-hmm. that I'm going to put out on Black Friday. And I was sharing a little bit about, you know, my, my workstation, which is a disaster. And then the fact that I'm making new earrings because people have requested studs over oh. and over because a lot of people don't want yeah, to wear earrings. Danglies, right. Like I, I'm at the point where I can wear them now because steel won't rip them out of my ears. But if you have small kids or you're really active and you just don't want to be thinking about it, yeah. danglies might not be the best thing for you. So I started my process of making studs. So I shared that today. and like, nobody's seeing it. I didn't see it. Yeah. But I got your email. Oh, Good. So that's another. Yeah, I've been working on um. I got to get my email list going, you know, weekly just to let everyone know what I've been up to because they may not be seeing it or even just share the same stuff I've been sharing on Instagram with Mm -hmm. my email list who actually wants to see it. So you'll be notified of those things. If you're not being told that I'm sharing anything on Instagram, you won't miss out. And I know when I do sell earrings, necklaces, anything where there's um. know there's a set amount of time that i'm selling something for people are excited for it and then they miss it because instagram tells you what they want to tell you Mm -hmm. when they want to tell you and so if you were waiting for that to pop up in your feed and you just never saw it you i get messages all the time from people who just didn't see anything and they totally missed out and then they want to know when the next sale will be and i just i hate it when people suck they're interested in something it means something to them and then you know the algorithm doesn't let them. It's it's very frustrating. Yes, Instagram so.
1: just silencing women. Gotta love it.
0: Seriously, I just want to give you some earrings <laughs> to commemorate your rainbow baby. I mean, do you know, it...
1: <laughs> do you know why the shadow ban started for me? No. So I obviously posted a lot about um, the thing that happened in 2020. I post mm. a lot about that. Um, right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if we should say those words on here.
0: <laughs> um, We're gonna get one of those banners across.
1: I now. know it's like so dumb. Um, so I posted a lot about that. I got a lot of like, not warnings but just like the flags at the bottom of the page, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when the formula shortage started, I shared about making your own formula with raw milk with a Weston a price mm-hmm. for, um, recipe. Like I'm just trying to help moms out <laughs> and boom, just denied instant shadow ban. It was crazy. And then I posted one more Thing about the 2020 thing and I literally posted a video of someone else saying words and they were like this goes against community. I'm like I didn't say any. I, just, I posted something from like the World Health Forum. It was a video and I was like and I got this warning that was like you're in the doghouse for 90 days and it was mm. five
0: months not 90 days. Yeah they just don't care and there's no way I mean that I know of to get out there. The company is so big and it just doesn't matter to them. And, no. you know, that break that I took, it was nice to not have to think about it because it was, I missed connecting with people on yeah. there. But at the same time, it was nice to not have to feel like I was playing a game for I a couple know. of days. That's how, how like, I felt
1: when I, I took my break. Do I
0: share this? Do I do I share something now? Should I wait till 3 p.m.? Like? It, it, how many it's, people have I engaged with today? If I responded to all the comments on this reel, it's it's a lot. And I think people who don't do it sort of for a living don't, I mean, not that I get paid for it. But, right. Um, but do it as part of their living. I think you can't understand how much work it is and how frustrating it is when you just want to help people. Like, you just want to help people prepare for their birth. Mm-hmm. I just want to help people prepare or sell cute art right right or or commemorate things for them like yeah. their breastfeeding journey or the fact that they did have a rainbow baby or if you had a c-section and you want to share that you're proud of it or whatever it is i feel like a lot of that's not out there and i just want to share it with people to make them feel better and you know nope. it's insane yeah so Very and it's been frustrating for me too yeah Anything but else new since I talked to you? Not too much. Now? No, not too How much. How are the chickens
1: doing? Chickens are good. We had an, oh my God, we had a crazy thunderstorm last night. We haven't had thunderstorms in over a year because we've had such a bad drought in Texas. Um, last year we got amazing th- thunderstorms all the time. Love the thunderstorms. So we had one last night and it was like, it was, I've never heard thunder so loud in my life. Turns out one of the houses in our neighborhood got struck with light, by lightning.
0: Yeah. And that's why it was so loud.
1: Yeah, it was literally in our neighborhood. And yeah, fire department came. The house caught on fire. But everyone was fine and the house was fine. Um, but isn't that insane?
0: Mm-hmm. I think and that's re- happened in my neighborhood, too. I don't have evidence of where it hit. Yeah. But there have been times where we had thunderstorms that were, the thunder was so loud. Like, you could hear the crack of the lightning. Yeah. And the house vibe, feel the house vibrate. Yes, that's how it was. the thunder. So you know it was, like, real close. in the neighborhood. Yeah just... and we've had trees giant trees fall and just miss our house. Jeez. So that that was lucky but yeah. Yes, yeah. so we've been getting chickens... a lot of rain too.
1: Yeah. But the chickens survived. They they made it through the night.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We had that drought too where they were like it was like a dust zone in our neighborhood because they were doing construction, ripping up the streets and everything. Uh-huh. Rather than I mean, I guess this is how you have to do it. They were replacing all the water mains because we live kind of in the downtown area. Mhm. And So they would dig basically like a trench, pull out the old one. And in the meantime, while they were fixing things up, they would put the old one on top of the ground, but it would run like perpendicular to our street so that they would, or if it was someone else, their, their driveway, they basically mounded up with like dirt, which because it was so that you can drive over it and not Mm -hmm. crush it. But because it was so dry... It just like there was just dust everywhere. It was it was awful. So that that did happen up here in Massachusetts too. So
1: yeah, yeah.
0: It's it's rainy, but we're going to the Jack O' Lantern Spooktacular tonight. Cute at uh, Roger Williams Zoo, and so uh, the Fine. kids are excited about that. I'm kind of excited about it because I've never seen it. It's like thousands and thousands and thousands of Jack O' Lanterns. Some that are oh wow, cool from pumpkins that are like two thousand pounds. Whoa. That they carve into these giant things. So, yeah. Oh, that'll be awesome.
1: Post pictures that no one will see.
0: I will. (laughs) And then what else have I been doing this week? Um, I took preschool photos last week. So I've been getting all that together so I can give that to the families. And just still prepping for the holidays. It's a a ton of work. I haven't released anything. Anything that i haven't really done a pre-order for so Mm -hmm. a pre-order allows people to choose what they want and then i don't have all of this stuff like sitting around right i don't have all this all these supplies that i paid all this money for that nobody's wanting Mm -hmm. it it works really well for a lot of things but i decided this time around to go with selling the earrings at black friday so i've been making them ahead of time so i did invest in that but just thinking about I don't know if there's going to be shortages on things. I think we're going to talk about this last week. I've been warned that there will be. And what if there are no packages for things or no, no supplies and then I wait too long? So I've just been working on getting all that together and giving myself plenty of time so that yeah. even though I get interrupted constantly
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> by my kids and my own brain, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'll still have plenty of time. So
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So Feels all right, good to plan ahead. Yeah, but let's I get into it. it. Let's get into my stories. All right, so I have actually been pregnant five times, but I have three children, so that'll come into play in the stories. Mm -hmm. So I always knew that I wanted to be a mom. That was the Mm -hmm. one thing that I knew I wanted to do. Even when I had no idea what I wanted for a career or anything like that, I always knew that eventually I'd want to be a mom. But I, like so many of us now, uh, went to school, got my bachelor's degree. Didn't know what I wanted to do, particularly afterwards. I did know, I didn't want to, I wanted to be in health care in some respect, but I didn't want to go to medical school. It just didn't seem like it was health related to me. Seriously. The way they, the way they treat their, um, all, all the students, the what they're required to do. And then just, you know, the practice of medicine, air quotes, as, as a whole Uh, How it's not teaching anyone to be healthy. It's waiting till you have a disease and then oftentimes just covering it up. Not actually finding the root cause, not actually healing you, not taking into account that your body is a bunch of different pieces, but they all work together. And I just, it didn't sit right with me. So I went to chiropractic school, but it took me a couple of years to figure that out. And then by the time I graduated chiropractic school, I was 26 and then by the time I got married, I was 31. Maybe I was older than 26. I don't know. But when I got married, I was 31. And then I got pregnant for the first time. I think I was 33. And I, we tried one time. And I was like, yeah. I had been prior to this, mind you. Um, I had I've been a CrossFitter. I did yoga regularly, runner, very active always very interested in nutrition. I have a master's degree in nutrition. And so I figured, oh, you know, this isn't going to be hard for me. And then when I got pregnant on the first try, I was like, see, I told you so. Mm -hmm. And then I think I was about, I decided to do a home birth and hired a home birth midwife. And I think I was about 10 weeks in, I went to, might've been my first or second appointment. I can't remember. And they tried to find a heartbeat. And with a Doppler at that time, it can be tricky at 10 weeks if you're just using, um, if you're just using a Doppler. Sometimes it's, it's easy. Sometimes it's not. They couldn't find a heartbeat. And so I was like, you know, it concerned me a little bit, but, you know, maybe it's not a big deal. And then the next day I started spotting. And then what had happened was the baby had grown to like six or seven weeks, but then had stopped it was still in there. It's called a missed miscarriage, if mm-hmm. any of you know about this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think it was about 11 weeks or so by then I went and had an ultrasound. And the woman who did my ultrasound, I think she was a medical doctor. All she said was, I'm sorry, this isn't a good pregnancy. Oh. Like, like wh- who says that? And so I was like, okay. Like, I knew what I was seeing on the screen was not what it should look like at mm-hmm. 12 weeks or whatever it was. And so I went outside. My husband was there because this was 2015 or something and cried in the car and felt like, you know, why did this happen to me? What do I do? I went to my OBGYN and decided to get uh, Cytotec, which is sometimes given to induce labor, but it's an off-label use. and this, That's what this was, inducing mm-hmm. labor so that the the baby would come out and the uh-huh. sack and everything would come out it's uh mm-hmm. an ulcer drug but it's given to pregnant women to induce labor and it's not recommended for their use or no. approved for that use nope. but anyway that's what i took i knew the risk my doctor actually did tell me this is an off-label use which is rare usually very rare and uh was willing to take it because i was kind of just mentally done I didn't like the idea of it still being in there. I kind of wanted to get the process over with. And it already had kind of started. So I was like, let's just keep this going. Yeah. And it was really traumatic. I spent the majority of that night. So it was a pill you take under your tongue. And then within a couple of hours, you start feeling contractions. So this was my first experience with contractions. Mm -hmm. And I went from the toilet to the bathtub back and forth until everything was over. And there was a lot of blood. And I felt the sack detach and it was weird coming out and, you know, just really sad. And so I wasn't sure after all that happened, you know, would I want to get pregnant again right away or what would I want? And so we did try, but it took, we tried for months and months. That was in October, I believe. And I forget how many months went by, like six or, or more. And I didn't get pregnant probably eight months, maybe, I decided to try IUI, intrauterine insemination. So that's when it used to be called artificial insemination. Yes. So it's where the partner, husband, whoever, they collect a sperm sample. So picture this. This is me going in for my my insemination. And a lot leads up to this. But basically, they uh, find a quiet place. In your home, if you live close enough, you can do this. And I lived close to the, where I was going, um, to my OB. And they collect the sample. And then you have to, you know, keep it in like a, a vial, like a urine sample vial. And you have to, they say, put it in a sock. Okay. And then like keep it close to your body because you want to keep the sperm warm. You don't want them to get too cold on, the, on their travels to where they're going. And so then I walk in to the OBGYN's office and I go up to the front desk and I go to check-in and it's like this secret. I have this.
2: That I have this cup,
0: this cup of semen in my shirt and I have to go sit in the waiting with this in my shirt like looking around like does anybody else have a cup of semen in their clothes? And then when they hilarious. call you they, they take the sample and what they do is they spin it down, they separate the seminal fluid from the sperm and then they it's not actually a turkey baster, but it's like a long cannula mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because it goes and through the cervix, right? I believe so. Yeah, they yeah. don't tell you what's going on. That would make sense if they yeah, think, I like...
1: Think it. I think they go into the uterus. Yeah,
0: it's very, it's very small, so it wasn't like super uncomfortable. But it's really, it was weird. So the first time, I don't remember if my husband was there the first time. He was there with me one of the times. And they basically, they get you on this table... And you know how a table can tilt up? They can also mm-hmm. tilt backwards. So they tilt you backwards. So you're like upside down, legs in the air, right? And then they, like, and then they do the procedure because they want to let gravity assist the sperm.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
0: you get to hang out there for like 20 minutes. So my husband's just sitting in a chair next to me. I'm like nude from the waist down, <laughs> legs in the air, like, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> and it was, it's just very strange. So mm-hmm. I went through that twice. Um, which involved some medication. It involved an injection to help me to ovulate involved, Uh which you don't have to do all of these steps, but I chose to do some of them because I was like, if I'm already, I was already 34. If I want to have multiple children, I don't want to wait forever. So that's basically why I decided to do this. And so then you go in, they do ultrasounds to check and make sure that you're actually going to produce some eggs. If There are follicles in there that are growing and then they tell you to give you yourself an injection on a certain day. Everything is timed. Super romantic. Mm-hmm. They tell you to give yourself an injection on a certain day that helps you release an egg. And then you go in for your insemination, you know, so many hours after that. And so the second time I got pregnant. So with my son, Bo, who is now six. So as you can imagine, I went from home birth, like I trust my body. I'm a chiropractor. This is the way that I do things. I was excited, you know, about this whole process too. Now I'm a little bit wary. Now my body has shown me that they're not that it failed, but that there's another avenue it can take, and I'm not as trusting as I was. So I stuck with my OB-GYN practice. They were very nice. That had helped me with the IUI, and that meant if I was going to stick with them, that I was going to go to the hospital. Yeah. And so I did the regular. OB care and I remember thinking at that time which my thinking is much different now I would leave an appointment especially in the beginning when they're about four weeks apart and think like they just let me go like nobody's gonna be watching me this whole time like you're trusting me with this without a supervisor (laughs) and I feel like a lot of people probably think that they're not used to a process like that going on in their body and they're not used to not knowing yeah. And feeling like they want to do the right things, have the right information. And where are they getting that guidance if they're only seeing this person for seven minutes every four weeks? And I do not feel like that. But that mm-hmm. that's how I felt then. So my pregnancy was fine, um, except that I failed, air quotes, the uh, gestational diabetes screen. So I knew there were alternatives, but I honestly didn't look into it. I did drink the glucola drink that time, which is the yeah. orange nastiness that has a bunch of junk in it which is the reason that they give you that is because it's easy for them it's shelf stable they don't even have to refrigerate it it's got the amount of glucose that they want if they watch you drink it like there there's no like room for error yeah you know um if you do an alternative it's a pain for them so i did take that drink and there's conflicting information on what a passing score is Mm mm-hmm and there's also conflicting information on what you should do prior. Should you eat? Should you not eat? What should you eat? Right. How far in advance? So I failed by like three points or something like that. And so I said, I'm not taking, I almost passed out. I felt horrible. I said, I'm it's not. It's just such
1: a weird process.
0: It's it so It blows weird.
1: my mind so that this is like still the standard of care.
0: Right. Well, if they trusted women a little bit more, mm. they'd have you just chart what you eat. Mm-hmm. And not assume that you're lying. Right. And, you know, they could they could prick your finger or do an A1C if they're doing all this other blood work on you anyway. Like they could figure out what's going on with you in other ways than making you drink this toxic sludge without eating. Usually it's usually completely Mm -hmm. fasting or that's what most people do anyway. And then you've got all of this sugar with no fiber, no protein, no anything else to balance it out. And how how you think people are going to feel? Like I thought I was going to throw up. I thought I was going to pass out. Yeah. And so I, I, but I did, I didn't almost did, Uh, but I did fail. And then I said, I'm not doing that three hour test because the next step, if you haven't been through this yet is if you fail the one hour glucose screen fail, they want you to do a three hour one. So that one almost made you pass out and throw up. Let's do one where now you don't eat for three hours and we make you, (laughs) you haven't eaten anything. We make you, pregnant lady who wants to eat all the time unless you're sick, sit in a room with no food and we just keep stabbing you for three hours.
1: That that Hashtag science.
0: Yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm not doing that. I said, I'd be happy to check my my blood sugar, uh, prick my finger. Every
1: day for the rest of the time. Yeah,
0: every day for, I said, I'll do it for two weeks. I'll chart what I eat, whatever. They sent me to the diabetes center at the hospital who thought I had diabetes. They sent me there because to get it covered by insurance, that's what they had to do. But then the people at the diabetes center thought I had diabetes. And every time I'd go in, they were like, we have to make sure that your diabetes isn't out of control. And I was like, I don't have diabetes. But they get paid so much money to do nothing,
2: Mm -hmm. to just
0: sit there. and and, you know check your weight and talk to you for five minutes so yeah i everything ended up being fine i never really had a problem um so come to the end of my pregnancy i thought i was leaking fluid this never happened to me again in my other other pregnancies so i don't know exactly what it truly was but there are ways to tell if it's amniotic fluid, or if it's urine, or if it's cervical fluid, or or what it is. But a lot of times they don't want to bother, and so mm-hmm. they did sort of check, and they couldn't really figure it out, so they just assumed it was amniotic fluid, and they wanted me to go in uh, for an induction, and I was like, yeah, that didn't happen. I did go into the hospital to have a check with um, the test is called amnioSure, mm-hmm. I believe, where it's like a dipstick kind of thing in the fluid and they can determine from that if it's urine or amniotic fluid or what it is. And it wasn't actually amniotic fluid. So we don't really know what it was going on down there. Maybe I was just peeing myself. Who knows? But it's hard to say. But they wanted to induce me. I wouldn't allow that. I So I went home. I did have a doula. I went into labor for oh, 40 weeks I think, to the day and labored at home for a while. Mind you, when I decided that I was going to go to the hospital for this birth and decided I wasn't going to do a home birth, it was it was a combination of things. But the biggest factor was the hospital was close. It was like five minutes away and my insurance covered it. My husband and I had just opened our practice. We had no money. And my copay for a hospital visit was two hundred and fifty dollars. And so it was going to cost me $250 for all of my prenatal care and my stay at the hospital. And so even total. though I knew. Total. Wow. And so, yeah. And so I was like, I felt guilty spending thousands on a home birth midwife when at the time we really didn't have that to spend. So I mm-hmm. totally get it when other people.
1: Oh, absolutely. Are
0: trying to make that choice. It's such a um,
1: BS situation that. Yeah midwives aren't covered by insurance. And I understand midwives who don't who want to opt out of that system entirely. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. But the the access to care is like really shitty. It sucks.
0: It it is, and it does suck because if it was dollar to dollar, like wh- where a birth actually costs more, mm-hmm. it's more than 10 times more to have yeah. the same birth at a, a hospital but your insurance will cover it and they yeah. won't cover home birth which is like the most minute amount of money. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's like my insane. birth, I saw the um the bill after after my birth. I had a C section, we'll get to that. And I forget how much it was. It was like $30 something thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And I paid $250. Yeah. $250. So obviously lo- that's all getting absorbed by the insurance company and they're totally okay with it. Whereas when I had my my last, my home birth, it was thirty five hundred dollars. For all of my care, my during my prenatal care, mm-hmm. my birth, and my postpartum care, so, that's a good price. Yeah, it is a good price, and the amount of money that would be saved by insurance companies if some of this was covered is astronomical. But you know, that's not on their agenda. No, that's for another time. But anyway, mm-hmm. so I decided to go to the hospital for those reasons, and totally understandable. I kid you not, there was like a. People say there's a voice in the back of your head telling you something, you know, when you're, you hear your intuition. Mm-hmm. There was literally, it was like someone else was saying it. If you go to the hospital, you'll have a C-section. And I was like, shut up, I'm going. And so I went, well, because I figured, like so many people were probably listening to this, so many people I connect with on Instagram, you're prepared. Yeah. You know, I was, my whole life was trusting my body, knowing that this was a normal process. Um I did take a childbirth class, but it was at the hospital because it sure. was covered by my insurance, sure. um, which honestly wasn't that bad because the woman teaching it had taught in the u k for a long time, and so they teach oh that's cool like they they do things a little bit differently, so yeah. it wasn't as bad, I think, as the typical uh childbirth class at a hospital. That's good. But I felt like I was really prepared. Everyone else in the class was nervous about giving birth. And I was like, I'm excited to see what my body can do. So I went into it feeling like I'm super prepared. I had like a bag of tricks. I had, uh, I don't even know it was in the bag anymore. It's been so long. I had essential oils mm-hmm. I, with a diffuser. I had like a massaging vibrator, not a vibrator, but a vibrating massager. I could have brought a vibrator too, hey, you know, I didn't. I oxytocin. Didn't have one. Right. I mean it can work. Yeah. But I didn't bring one of those. Um, I brought a tens machine uh nice. which is if you guys East don't them. know what that is. Yeah, so it's tens stands for transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation. And basically, we use them in our office, our chiropractic office too, but larger versions. A portable version it has little sticky pads that you put on your back. So you don't put it on your belly when you're in labor. You put it on your back. And what you do is when a contraction's coming on, you slowly turn it up to the point where the top of the contraction is so that you, at the height of the contraction is when you're feeling like, it's like, it's like tingling, like little prickling kind of on your back. Is the idea kind of like counter, countering the contraction? The idea is it works on what's called the pain control gate theory of pain or maybe i messed up those words pain gate control it's a theory and (laughs) and the idea is that you can't feel pain and uh nerve another nerve stimulation at the same time so if you're having i mean you do still feel it but it's not it's not the same i had i had a
1: tens machine in my first i did not like it at all
0: so i liked it in the beginning i think it was helpful for me Um, but. Eventually, I was feeling like maybe I want to try something else. That Mm -hmm. was another problem is the uh, hospital that I was at, they had uh, access to nitrous oxide, which not a lot of places up here do. Mm -hmm. And so I figured that that was like a happy medium for me if I was going to try something to not have other pain relief because it's not something that gets installed in you, basically. It's not... You don't have to have a needle in your back. It's not something that you have to fight to get removed. You breathe the gas in to the height of your contraction. You stop, and then it dissipates. And if you don't want to use it anymore, you don't have to.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So I did decide to use that. But So I went into labor at 40 weeks. I labored at home. My midwife, I mean my uh, doula, came over. And I went to the hospital too early. I know I did. Went to the hospital. After a few hours, you know, had no idea how it was going to feel or, like, how much longer it was going to go. And now, in hindsight, all three of my babies, I think, were sunny side up mm-hmm. because I had back labor and felt the best, like, leaning over a countertop mm-hmm. and long labors, really long labors. Yeah. Um. So I went to the hospital. They checked me in. They have to decide if you're in labor. Please. I know if I'm in labor. <laughs> uh, and I just... I I did try. I was standing up. I was talking. They had a uh, tub in the room that I could use. That's I don't cool. know if I could give birth in it, but I was al- allowed to be in it for a bit. And but the jets were broken, and they have these dumb rules about the the temperature. So you can't have it too hot because you're going to bake your baby. But then it was like this isn't even relaxing because this is too cold. So the jets That's, were broken. and It was too cold. And I was the like, tub okay, is supposed to be like, body temperature. Yeah, I don't know what they're... I don't even know if they were checking the temperature, but it was not comfortable, so I got out. That's silly. And then eventually decided, maybe I want to try the nitrous. But this is where it all goes downhill. They tell you you have to have continuous fetal monitoring, which, if you've talked to either of us or have been paying attention, it was never studied or proved... There was never proven that it actually helps outcomes, and it turns out it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had to be in bed. On my back, which is the opposite of how I was comfortable. And so I was just, I was getting back to back to back contractions with no break, just moaning and moaning. And it was, I didn't know, is this bad? Is this normal? No one suggested I move, not even my doula. She didn't even suggest like, maybe she should get out of that bed. You seem to be doing worse now. Whoa. And I was trying to use the nitrous, but I wasn't breathing it in all the way. I was just moaning into the mask. And then when mm. I did breathe it in, I didn't like how it made me feel because it made me feel like loopy. Yeah. So that didn't really help. And so, you know, they come in, they're like, maybe you should get an epidural. You can rest. I'm like, no, back off. Maybe you should get an IV. You seem like you, you know, you've been, I did throw up some. I did pee on myself some. So they were like, you know, you haven't, we're not letting you drink anything. So you're probably dehydrated. And so I fought them and fought them and fought them. And eventually I agreed to an IV. And then... I fought them and fought them and fought them. And eventually I agreed to let them break my water. But I think I had already gotten an epidural, but it's kind of blurry now. I ended up agreeing to an epidural after multiple times of them saying, you should get it. You can rest. You can take a nap. And that was true. When I did get it, I thought, wow, this is a miracle, actually. This feels a lot better. Yeah. Um, And I did. And I rested for a little bit. And I had been up for days, mind you, prior to this because I had prodromal labor and it would happen during the night. And then I'd get up for the day after not sleeping. And I was like, and now nothing. So I really hadn't slept well for days. So I agreed to the epidural. I let them break my water. And there was never an emergency. It wasn't like that there were no D cells on the monitor. My blood pressure didn't dip or rise. I didn't have an infection. Uh, It was just taking too long. And so I pushed for four hours because they told me it was time, but I couldn't feel anything, you Mm -hmm. know, and they had a mirror down there. So that I could kind of see if I was using the correct muscles, which did help a little bit. But still, like, yeah, you can't focus on that. Not really. And so after four hours, I thought to myself after they had offered a C-section multiple times, if if this seems like it's taking too long and this is you, you see this every day, I don't. Then I agree. And so I signed off on the paperwork, had no idea what was in store for me after that. Yeah. You know, they like rolled me down the hall the room is super bright um I'm laying on this table they I didn't know about any of the options for a c-section at that time to make mm-hmm. it a, less traumatic for you or better for your baby and so I had a blue drape I couldn't see and my husband was at like behind my head was super nervous because he had no idea what was going on all of a sudden mm-hmm. I agreed to this and he usually defaults to if I make a decision and I feel And I seem decisive. He's like, all right. Yeah. Seem like you know what you're talking about. And he knew I didn't want this, but he saw that I was choosing it. And so he didn't know what to do. Yeah. And mind you, going through all of the labor, he was really nervous because he'd never seen me like that before. Mm -hmm. So that happens a lot with partners. If they're not prepared, they just don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. So and they want to help. They want to save you. And they feel like they can't. So he's by my head. He's got his mask on upside down. Because... He just like in a rush. They put you know they give you like
2: mm-hmm. uh, All surgical the
0: garb, right? You're not not even really like scrubs, just like that paper gown that they wear. Yeah. But anyway, he gets in that. He's sitting by my head. I had a reaction to the yeah. anesthesia, and I don't know what was in it, but um, mm-hmm. I Did do you know start that convulsing? I convulsing. So well, sort of, not really. I had uncontrollable muscle movements. Yeah. So I was. Flapping my arms uncontrollably up and down. I think they always drop
1: women's arms down in C sections.
0: They they don't. Oh. So I knew this would happen. So I wasn't worried. But can you imagine my husband who didn't know that that was a possibility? I had heard of this, and he's over there like, "What the?" Fuck? I was like, "I can't stop it," and I'm like, trying <laughs> with all my might to hold my arms down. Like, so they do sometimes do that. That's true, and this is why. Because yes, some of them the C section I've
1: been at they strapped her arms down and she was kind of sh- convulsing a little bit. It must yeah. that must have been the same thing but she, it just looked like mini shakes because her arms were strapped down.
0: Yeah, it might have might have been uncontrollable muscle movement. Yeah, Had she not. It just reminds Crazy. me of those pharmaceutical ads that tell you you can have uncontrollable muscle movements from having this certain medication. That's mm-hmm. one of the side effects. So I don't know what it was specifically that caused that, but yeah, my arms were flapping around. And then I remember while My doctor was doing the surgery. She said to me, wow, you have a really prominent sacral promontory, which is like the top of your sacrum, which is like basically behind where your butt crack is sort of Mm -hmm. above that. Um, And so I hung on to that as the reason why maybe my baby couldn't get out because I wanted a a reason. Like, why did this happen to me? So that it wasn't my fault because I felt like it was my fault. But so they took the baby out. It was totally fine. Um, it was a boy. My husband was supposed to announce what it, what it was a boy or a girl, and I, he didn't. So I was like, it's a boy. I can see it. But I did, I did save my placenta, and I did encapsulate my placenta, which I don't know if it helped me because I had so much PTSD and everything from all this, yeah. but um, went to the recovery room afterwards, and the first thing I thought when I held my son for the first time after they you know wiped him all off and who knows what else they did to him when he was away was I need a do-over. Yeah. And that's really sad. You know, mm-hmm. not like I made this person. There was just a disconnect. Like, you just removed this thing from me, and now he- now it's mine to take care of. It was, it was strange for me. Breastfeeding went okay. My healing went okay. It was really hard to cough. It was really hard to sit up. It was, yeah. um, those, those things were really uncomfortable. Uh, but I did, I did otherwise heal okay. And, and yeah, and breastfeeding was fine. So I stayed there for five days because they had this, yeah, they had this dumb rule that over, if you arrive after a certain hour, you have to stay like an extra day. So I arrived at nighttime and you know, that just has to do with them making more money by me staying an extra day. Yeah. Um, But at that time I was like, you know what? I'm not hating this because I just had surgery. Yeah. The food there was excellent.
1: Oh, nice. It was
0: not typical hospital food at all. And I have, my husband and I have no support at all. No yeah. family, no friends. And, you know, that that we would like call in on that at the time. Sure. Um, and so I knew once I went home, I was kind of on my own. And my mm-hmm. husband has to go back to work. He took all this time off because we went into the hospital basically a week ago. And our practice was just the two of us. So we had a friend cover, but he needed to go back. So I got like a day back at home before he had to go back to work. And so I did not fight them on that. I just I stayed. Yeah. And then it was weird to go home. Like, again, I was like, they're just letting me go home and trusting me with this person. (laughs) Like no one's going to supervise me. But then what followed was two years of PTSD, depression and anxiety that was tied to my experience and just feeling like shame and guilt. I could have done things better. I shouldn't have agreed to that. And Um, And I could really see how I know a lot of women who have traumatic births, they end up with trouble in their relationships, partially because, I mean, they're traumatized. And how could you not necessarily like it's it's hard to not let that affect your relationships. But I know in the beginning, I thought to myself and did voice it out loud once or twice. Why didn't you stop me to my husband? And then I I run on basically nothing but logic and so even though I said that out loud I then knew saying that out loud to him is not gonna it's not gonna change what happened Mm -hmm. it's just gonna make him feel worse and what's the point in making him feel worse also when I'm already feeling this way We, we don't both need to feel this way totally and so I never said it again but I can see how if you don't work that way how that could really you know and you're and you don't have another way to work through what happened to you, how that could really affect your relationship. Oh, yeah. And, and, and cause some issues. Totally. So, with the next one, we'll just skip to that. Yeah. I got pregnant again. I got my period one time. I got pregnant again. And I knew I was going to stay home. And initially, I went to, I wasn't all in yet. So, initially, I went to the OB. I had, uh, ultrasound. You know, an early one that was useless, just to confirm I was pregnant, which you could tell if I peed on a stick. And yeah. and I kept with them for a bit, but even at that, like eight week appointment, they said, "Oh, you had a C section last time. The doctor might want to schedule one if the baby's too big or
2: mm-hmm. or something like that." Mm-hmm. So uh,
0: we they had me sign this form for anesthesia at eight weeks oh my and they also made me promise that i wouldn't they made me sign a form that said i wouldn't smoke marijuana <laughs> because it had just it been knick? legalized here um what recreationally and i was like but you're not gonna have me sign a form that says i won't do like opiates or drink alcohol but you're now really what? concerned that i'm gonna smoke weeds like but you'll give me odd. fentanyl in labor yeah and that's totally fine but don't you dare smoke someone so I think so I said, I, I was like, okay. Sure. Um, but I said to them at that appointment, I said, I'm not having another surgery. So that's the mm-hmm. question for me. And I did attend my visits, but as I got more bold, uh, it was honestly, it was kind of fun for me.
1: Oh, I believe it.
0: Because I realized that they really have no idea what they're talking about. And <laughs> towards the end. I So I did actually, f- I found a home birth midwife, was actually the mother of the doula that oh. I had for my first. Mind you, I've known these people since I was in high school. Mm. The doula was a friend and her mom. I've known them for a long time. She used to practice in the hospital system. She's a CNM and decided to have her own practice, home practice. And it was newer to her. And that's, that for me was where it didn't work out is that she wasn't good as a business person. Mm-hmm. And she was supposed to get back to me. I need, I wanted to have a 20-week ultrasound because I wanted to know where my placenta was located. Yes. Uh, because I had had a previous C-section and I didn't want, if it's over the C-section scar or it's oh, covering your cervix, mm-hmm. those can both be bad. So I wanted to know. Yeah. But my insurance, I could only find one place that would take the insurance. And so I messaged her. She had tried to find me a few places, didn't know what she was doing. So I found it myself. I messaged her and said, I found a place. Can you send over a referral? And she said, I'll do it when I get back. Uh, Like she was on an international vacation and she didn't tell me that she had that she had left. Didn't give me a backup person or anything. And so I was like, strange. Yeah, you just totally forgot about me. I'm not cool with this. So I ended up She might have been perfect in the birth itself. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I just don't trust you now. And also, she was like, I'll, you know, I'll get it to you when I get back on Monday or Tuesday or whatever it was. And it was like the previous week. And I just thought about myself as a practitioner. I could never do that to someone. If I was on an international vacation and someone I was caring for needed something from me because they were having anxiety about, I didn't know how booked this place was and it was the one place. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to get in. I would find a Kinko's or something and I would send a fax over like or, you know, whatever it is that 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 place accepts. And so I just it didn't set well with me. So I fired her. And I decided I'm going to do this on my own. I had a moment where I sat. It was right after that where I fired her and I sat. In this chair where I have nursed all of my children, we call it the milk chair. And I just thought to myself, what am I going to do if I can't find someone not going back to the hospital? What do I have to do? Deliver this baby myself? And it was like a cartoon where a light bulb goes over your head. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why couldn't I do that? And so then I started learning. I found the Free Birth Society, which at that time had a Facebook group. And listened a lot to their podcast and started to do a lot of research on the things that they tell you you have to be afraid of. Uh, Mm -hmm. In birth, all the emergencies. I love their podcast. Yeah. And what if something happens? I started learning about all those somethings and how common they really were and what type of people they happened to and how do you prevent them and what do you do if it happens and who can help you if it truly is an emergency and how often is an emergency and how often does that thing go terribly badly as opposed to a little bit badly? And so I armed myself with all this info, and the more info I had, the stronger I felt in my decision to stay home and stay the heck away from anybody in a hospital. And so I did stick with OB care, though, because I was concerned about CPS being called on me. Sure. So, and that does happen, and it's really scary. So I was like, if I at least have... uh Documented care from someone yeah. else, which let's be real. Most of your care is them weighing you. You can do that yourself. You peeing in a cup and then putting a dipstick in it, which you can get on Amazon. You, they might do some blood work, which you could go somewhere and get some blood work done if you wanted to do that. Uh, but most of it is not, it's not rocket science. And they spend five minutes with you and they get mm-hmm. very little information. They take your blood pressure. You can do that yourself. Mm-hmm. So they make you seem like all oh, this is necessary when it's really just not. And if you're negligent, if you do it yourself, as opposed to having somebody with like an eight month med tech degree do it. Right. Like I'm very capable of taking blood pressure and, and doing all these things. So I <clears throat> still went in for the appointments though. So something was documented. And then towards yeah, the end. Yeah, you could outside,
1: just say, oh, if you had, you know, I had an accidental home birth. You know, I, right. I meant to go to the hospital, but Oops.
0: Well, and that was my plan. So what I ended up doing was I had to cancel an appointment later in the pregnancy. And then I was like, you know what? Why would I go back? Because they're just going to try to force me into something anyway. And I'm just going to fight with them every visit. So I just ghosted. They called me once. Oh, you missed your appointment. Calls back. Called me again. Oh, we're getting so worried about you. I was like, Doris, you don't know who I am. I come in and they're like, name, please. I'm like, I've been here 40 (laughs) times, Doris. So you're really not concerned about me. But then they sent me an email and then they sent me a letter in the actual mail. And I was like, I better go get my notes. So I said I was transferring my care. Didn't say to whom. It was to myself. Got my notes. Never went back. And then the birth was, it was just like an everyday event. I went into labor in the morning, 9 a.m. after my husband had left for work. And I was like, oh, it's not a big deal. Took my older son. We went to the grocery store, the pet store. I was laboring there, you know, like as I was walking around, called him and I was like, I think I'm in labor, but I don't think it's going to be soon. So like finish out your day and then come home. And so that's what happened. And then I labored um, all night. And at what time was he born? He was born at 11 o'clock. Um, I was in the labor The following for, day? Yeah. No. Wait, I started at 9 a.m., right? He was born at- the timing is not adding up for me right now. <laughs> I labored for a long time. It was born at 11 p.m. Oh. But the 11 more PM. I I haven't slept in so long and like steel won't let me sleep right now. So I'm a lot so of this right might be too. might be a little bit jumbled. <laughs> I apologize to all of you who yeah. are trying to keep track of this, but I was in labor for like 38 hours. Whatever that Okay. Is. Okay. Whatever that adds up to. It was a long time. It was like almost it was a day and a half or more. And the next, so that was on a Friday. On a Saturday, yes. So on Saturday morning, my older son got taken to a friend's house. He stayed there overnight. And then it was just me and my husband for the rest of the time. I did what my body felt it mm-hmm. needed to do. I didn't feel nervous once. I didn't question anything once. I understood the stages that I was in. I, It was very intuitive. No one there to tell me not to. I did a lot of movement. Um, and... He was born at 11 o'clock that night in the pool awesome. and had fetal ejection reflex, which is like vomiting. Mm-hmm. Right? You talked about last time. Mm-hmm. Vo- it feels like vomiting, like when your body's like, I got to get something out. And it your body's squeezes, like revolting. Yeah. So tightly to remove that thing. And that's what happens only like, sometimes when you, when you throw up, you also pee your pants. Mm-hmm. At least that happens to me. Hey. Try, try to be on the toilet now. With a bucket, but, um, it's, it's the same thing. So I was, I would scream till my voice was gone and then my body's still contracting. And in two contractions, he flew out into the pool and I was like redeemed all my, you know, previous bad feelings of regret and guilt and PTSD and all of that. I was like, it wasn't me. It was them. They Mm -hmm. put me in this box. They did this to me.
2: Mm -hmm. I
0: feel on top of the world. Um, and was just so glad that that I had chosen that because it it just felt so great to know that all along it wasn't me. And so for the third, Hell yeah. I decided that the only thing I didn't like about that was about free birth was I felt like there was a lot on my shoulders. Sure. When it comes to caring for myself and caring for the baby afterwards and just making sure everything's okay. And I just kind of didn't want to have to do that part. I wanted to see what it was like to have somebody else handle that and just yeah. give birth. And and also the cleanup because the mm-hmm. pool and all the thing, the towels and everything, it was all on my husband because I obviously am not going to be doing that. And so to have a little bit of help for him too. And so with my third, I did prenatal care, Uh, with home birth midwives. I don't think I really needed all the appointments. The only testing I had done was the 20 week ultrasound to see where my placenta was basically Mm -hmm. and check a few things, which I was up in the air about altogether. But I did it anyway. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I I don't regret it.
0: I feel like it, it allowed me, because I had had a previous surgery, because I was a little concerned about where the placenta was, to relax in the birth more, to not be worried about that thing. Yes. Which is why I decided to do it. But
1: I totally get that.
0: Mostly our appointments were just uh, talking, getting to know each other, and allowing me to see this other side of prenatal care. That wasn't the seven minutes, uh, I don't remember your name that I was getting with OB care. It was, you know, really in depth. It was getting to know my family, my preferences, emotional connection. Yeah. Trusting so that when you get to the time where you're in this vulnerable position, you don't feel all, all that anxiety. Threatened, yeah. Right, that you may feel if you have strangers there and you get to know these people really well. So I went to all my appointments. They knew my preferences. I didn't have students at that birth, uh, which sometimes they want students there because the students need to see, see births. And if you're comfortable with that, then they will have them there. And I just yeah. said, nah, because last time I was all alone. Basically, I want you to be there, but not there. And so I want you to be my fairy godmother, right? Can you just, if I need something, come mm-hmm. in? And that's what they did. Mm-hmm. They they just sat in another room, and occasionally would come in and ask me if I needed anything, or like three times check the baby's heartbeat, or suggested I get out of the pool that I was in for way too long, um, stuff like that. They did, but they didn't bother me. They weren't my face. Uh, if I had another, I would have them. So nice. But, so I went into labor with that one. Let's see if I can get the timing right on this one. I went into labor with that one. Number three, Steele, at six o'clock at night, I think. And so I labored all night. And by six o'clock the next morning, I was like, I got to get out of bed. I can't be in here anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I called them. They came around nine. Um, I thought I was further along than I was, but I think it was because he was malpositioned. Oh. And... Because things were coming closer together, but it wasn't. He wasn't born. That was, you know, the morning. He wasn't born until five fifteen in the in the evening. So, so almost I, a twenty four hour labor. Yeah, and so so it did s- speed up from the previous ones, mm-hmm. but still pretty still long. pretty long. So I was in the pool for a really long time. I thought he was coming. I think because my my water was bulging, like you were telling about mm-hmm. your story. Um, it felt like. He was coming a lot sooner than he was, and yeah. he wasn't. And I stayed in that pool so long, I was like, my hands were white like a body you pull out of the river, <laughs> at least so I've seen on television. <laughs> but like something that's been in the water way too long. And so I did get out, and and standing helped, hanging on my husband helped to kind of get the baby to you know spin around and get in that right position, um, laid on my side a little bit. And I did have one cervical check uh, because I was, I was right at transition, but where I recognized that with my free birth, I didn't recognize it this time. Mm. And I was at the point where I said, I just don't want to do this anymore. And with my free birth, a light bulb went off and I was like, oh, I'm almost done. Oh, I I can do this. But with my third, I just, I just didn't even think about it. And so I, I agreed to a cervical check. They said I was about eight centimeters. So I knew I didn't have that far to go. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea what time passed between then and the time that he was born. But I ended up getting back in the tub and like immediately F.E.R. kicked in. I think it was three contractions this time, but like the head came out. And it's amazing how in between contractions, even at that stage, you're just like, hey, what's going on? Like, you know, I was like the head was out and my husband's at at the head of me after I just screamed till I couldn't scream anymore. And I, I very calmly was like, hey, did you see the head's out? You should look, and so he looks down, and he's like, "Whoa, this you know there's a baby it's a baby's <laughs> face in there, and uh I was like, "All right, gotta get back into it. It's coming back and then he shot out my mid- midwife said his hand was next to his face too, so ah. was, that was uncomfortable, yes, but I was out of um, birth
1: like that this year
0: yeah it's, the the more things that get in the way, the wider the thing is that needs to come out, the harder it is to yes. get out so science. Uh, it's because science, <laughs> and so um. I, I was on all fours. I was the same way with the second one, you know, flipped over. They handed him to me. Now looking at the, the video, he actually wasn't breathing right away, but he was aware. And so they just rubbed his back a little bit and came to. And um, both babies, it took me about 45 minutes to an hour to deliver my placenta. And this oh, nice. one was really uncomfortable. I was mm. like, oh, no because you get like a few minutes where you're like, oh, I did it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. There's another thing that needs to come out. And the contractions are still really strong. So yeah, that placenta is saved in my freezer still almost two years later. i going to. Awesome. Still going to bury it. But the aftercare was nice. I I tend to bleed a little bit more. So they they hung out for probably four hours after that. Um, just made sure that I was like cleaned up, had a spot on the couch all set up with like mm-hmm. blankets and stuff so I don't ruin my couch. Checked me out. I did have a tear. I had a uh to first degree tear with my second just let it heal on its own with this one I had they said between 1 and 2 and I let it heal on its own as well they were cool. up in the air about that but
1: I just talked about that in my uh birth education class last night oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: and we can totally get into oh, yeah. more on the healing the after healing but mm-hmm. another thing that was really good about this was the the postpartum care just seeing the difference oh, and yeah. how many visits you get uh with home birth midwives as opposed to the one visit six weeks later where you have to drag yourself to an office so, so crazy um yeah so those are my stories and they're very varied which I think is helpful to other so women.
1: helpful I was just gonna say like I'm so grateful I had the experience I did which is two wonderful births and I love sharing that with people because you know I my my message is you can have a perfect birth on your first one you know mm-hmm. and then the the redemption stories are equally as inspiring and amazing.
0: Oh, yeah. And it totally, totally changed my world, taking back my power and not letting somebody else tell me what was right for me and the education portion. So Mm -hmm. that's why what I try to put out into the universe is a combination of education, but also help you to empower yourself to realize that you had the power all along and it was these systems and these people that were telling you you were too dumb, or you're a woman, mm-hmm. or you can't possibly—you didn't know go to medical on. school, right? Or it's just not safe. When the majority of the time being home is actually safer, yeah. But they will not tell you that. So. No.
1: Well, I mean, I was on the in the world of I would never have a free birth because like that is just that is just too so extreme for me. It's crazy. It's too crazy. And I was like, I wouldn't even be a doula out of free birth. I wouldn't want that like kind of pressure. And now I'm like, bring it on. Like, let's do it. And I told my husband, I was like, we're having a free birth. He's like, Jesus, Emily, come on. Let's just not talk. You're not even pregnant yet. (laughs)
0: like, I'm just planning it now. Okay.
1: (laughs) And uh, the more I think about it, like the fears come up and I'm like, you know, the what ifs come up. But then I, I tell all my clients, but what if everything goes right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, just live there. You know, your body knows what it's, what's capable of. Your body knows what to do. And, and then obviously, you know, to choose to have midwifery care after free birth is so interesting. And I, I completely understand why it's like, just that, it's just that comfort, that safety blanket, that's just there, you know, and it's like, why not? Um, but that redemptive birth is just so fantastic. And I'm so happy for you. And so glad that you had that experience. And that is, your message to the world because there's a lot more of that. There's a lot more traumatic first births than there are picture perfect first births.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I wanted people, I wanted to find other people because I knew this was a problem. Just didn't know how big until I really got into it. That either had a traumatic birth and wanted it differently next time, Mm -hmm. or maybe you could avoid it altogether. If you had the right information and you knew what you were getting yourself into Mm -hmm. and, people just don't. They have no idea and they trust people they shouldn't. And, you know, and we talked about in the beginning, money plays a role. And it's yes. just the more, you know, the better choices you can make, the better position you can put yourself in, even if that does mean you have to be in a place you don't want. Mm-hmm.
1: What's so cool about free birth, too, is like it's free.
0: It was also free. I did buy a pool. So, yeah, like I think
1: about free birth for my third baby and I'm like this. I don't want to spend $6000 on a midwife. I don't. Yeah. Choosing a free birth is not because of the money in my particular case for the next baby. However, how sweet would it be to not spend 6 grand on a midwife? Right. And it's like if you're in a place where it's free birth or hospital birth and you trust yourself, shit. It's free. It is right. a financially your best option. And listening to the Free Birth Society podcast is a phenomenal place to start. Um, and, yeah, it's so dope. It's like, oh, this is just zero dollars. I mean, besides, you know, the little the, the accoutrement you buy for the birth supply right. bo- ba- box.
0: Um yeah. I will say I didn't use most of my supply box. Yeah. I got stuff because I wasn't sure what I would need. I used my pool and I used the surgical scissors to eventually cut the cord. Mm-hmm. And... That's it. I think that was a that was about it. Yeah, yeah. I bought some other stuff I never needed. I used towels. I still use those towels. Yeah, <laughs> nice. they were they were very dirty, but we did clean them. Nice. But yeah, yeah, it's it's essentially free. It is it is a good option, but I think it's just so. It's not for everybody, no. but it's so out there to the average person. So because out there. They're so used to hospitals. The only way. Nothing else is safe. Mm-hmm. What do you do if something happens when they don't even know what they're asking? Right there, and so home birth is scary. Never mind having no one else there, and you're in charge of it all. How how dare you take take charge of your own life? Totally.
1: I found a really awesome midwife. Her name is Heather Baker Midwife on Instagram. Okay. She is a mother of five, and her last four were all free birth um, babies, and. She is a free birth consultant. So she does like virtual assisting for like 650 bucks.
0: That's nice. So
1: she can be like your FaceTime midwife, which I think is so sick. Like that is a really affordable option where you have someone there on your team. Who's like a call away if you need them. Um, Like that is so cool. Like, but no one knows to look for that. So right. um, we should have her on.
0: Yeah. Let's do that. And I was also thinking we should have my husband on. Yes. Because I would like to hear, I don't know how we would do that because I have children. Maybe we could could do a nighttime. Yeah, we'll do a nighttime. Something. But just to hear his perspective on how it all went. Yeah. I would really, I'd really like to hear that.
1: Oh, I would love that. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your stories.
0: Yes, no problem.
1: Love it. Happy to share. All right. Love it.
2: We will see you next time. See you next week.
0: Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Birth Uprising podcast. Together, we can create an uprising in the birth world. Don't forget to share and subscribe so you can be notified every time a new episode is released.